0: Welcome to episode 219 of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. I'm your coach, Angela Pugh, and this is a coaching podcast. I am a life coach, a recovering alcoholic, and an entrepreneur, and I spend my life on a journey of learning and personal development. I've lived an amazing life. I've taken big risks. I've made almost all the mistakes, (laughs) and I've had to learn how to fix it, and this is where we talk about all of those life lessons, and I get to tell you what works and what doesn't. Life is about growing and evolving, making changes, living better. And I want to share all my mistakes and struggles and heartbreaks and everything in between with you so that you don't have to make all the mistakes I've made and don't have to clean up all the messes I've had to clean up for myself. So I'm glad you're here with me. I hope you'll join me in my online community to continue learning and improving and to do it together. And I will link that Facebook group in the show notes so you can join me in there. And we have an incredible Dry July event coming up for obviously July, (laughs) and I'll be announcing that first in that Facebook group, so get your happy buns in there. Okay, you guys, this guest today is fantastic, and I got the feeling with her very early in our conversation that we are two kindred little spirits. You know I am a lifelong learner. I want to know everything. I am constantly researching and taking courses to learn new things, and back in the day, when I was really engrossed in my formal education, meaning college, (laughs) I had this drive in me that I wanted to have all these different credentials. I have done so many courses and studies and certifications because early in my career, I thought that's what I needed to give my clients the peace of mind that I take my work seriously. I wanted all those letters after my name to show people that I was committed and that I made the investment of myself, my money, and my time to get all those letters and credentials. I thought it built credibility. And today's guest, Ashley Sperber-Hirsch, has a ton of education and certifications too, and I love this. I definitely felt that connection of endless curiosity and a true desire to be the best coach you can possibly be, because that's what it's really all about. I want to provide the absolute best information and guidance possible for my clients. And that means I have to always be on a mission to keep myself educated and informed on the science of change, new techniques and research. And I also have to consistently be in my own journey of growing and evolving. And as you listen to this episode with Ashley, you will hear her talk about several different certifications she has, and you'll definitely hear her wisdom and experience on the topic of trauma And you guys, honestly, Ashley is in recovery also, and we got so involved in this conversation, we didn't even touch on that part. So (laughs) remember, I'm also doing after the show videos, and we talk about this at the end of the episode too. So if you have questions for Ashley, things that you want to talk about after you hear the podcast, jump in the Facebook group and put your questions in there. So when she and I do our after the show video, I can get all your questions answered. I'll see you in the Facebook group. Here's Ashley. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on and doing this show with me. As always, I'm super excited to get into this conversation and I appreciate you taking time out of your life and your work and all that stuff to come on and have this conversation with me and my audience.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's an honor.
0: Absolutely. Why don't we take a minute just starting out and just let the audience know a little bit about you and what you do.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for giving me the floor to do that. I'm an intuitive trauma coach, which I almost always get the question what does that even mean? So I'm going to elaborate just a little bit on how I uh, crafted that title. I'm a psychic medium, and I have been working with spirit for five years actively. And this ability came to me uh, after working with plant medicine. Um, I do recall from my youth having exchanges, experiences with spirit. And as many children do, they, I was told that it's, I'm just imagining things. And, um, so I just put it away, put it in a box, never, never work with it again. In fact, as a result of my childhood experiences, I became an addict, which I'm sure we're going to touch on later. And I numbed out a lot of my opportunities to be able to be in contact with spirit. Uh, But when I did get clean and sober, I was a wide open vessel to receive lots of information, intuitive messages. And that is the basis of the work that I do, because a lot of my clients will come to me with unresolved issues, we'll call them, not knowing that they have experienced trauma before. And they a lot of times they actually didn't experience the trauma in their lifetime. It's actually what's known as inherited trauma or transgenerational trauma. It's been passed down from their lineage. And so I help them identify by communicating with their ancestors on, you know, when they experienced the trauma in their timeline. So that is how I arrived to becoming an intuitive trauma coach uh, because I do have the experience and background of being able to support clients in in resolving their, their pain, their discomfort that they've been carrying their entire lifetime and possibly, you know, lifetimes from before.
0: From something I've understood, like obviously trauma gets handed down, it gets passed down because we have everything, we see everything in our lives through our lens, right? So as we process the world and help people raise children you know, mentor people, all of those things, we do it through our lens. Exactly. So is that a, one of the ways really that trauma gets passed down is just like, because like our parents have trauma and they raise us through the lens of their trauma, which then hands it down to us. Is that correct?
1: A hundred percent. I mean, there are many factors. That is absolutely one of the top factors for sure. And in, in, neuro, so I'm a neurolinguistics Programming master practitioner, as well. I we have a kind of a laundry list of, of accolades. And so, in oh, girl, and- I'm
0: the same way. I'm right there with you. So,
1: yeah, <laughs> I'm for life. I'm never going to stop. I'm never going to. Yes, stop.
0: amen.
1: <laughs> Certifications and um, degrees. So, In NLP, we call it the internal representation, the IR. And, and I actually use that term interchangeably with a, with the, something that I've coined as the trauma lens. Because when you are raised in a household with caretakers that see and experience the world through a very specific manner, like that, that what we call in, in, um, you know, the internal representation, but there's 126 bits of information that you're able to take in at any given moment. And that is never going to change. And what happens is outside of those 126 bits, we have 2 million bits of information coming at us at any given moment. And the, the remaining A million, a million, 1.9 million bits that we miss, we delete, distort, or generalize in order to shuffle all that information away because it's just too much information for us to process. So what we will do is we will continue to unconsciously focus on the 126 bits that we've been conditioned to focus on since we were a child. That's why you'll see very often in, in a household where there was a lot of poverty, and there was, you know, just not a lot of accessibility to uh, desires because of a lack of financial means that you will hear the parents say money doesn't grow on trees. Like we, we can't afford that. We, we, you know, we that that's not something that's available to us, accessible to us. And we're, we're, whereas in a house, so that that child may grow up, into an adult thinking their whole life that money is just always going to be hard to come by and therefore will create the conditions for them to not have that accessibility to income because they're choosing unconsciously to experience the world through that lens that says money is not easy. I'm always going to struggle to get it. And so th- that that's how powerful our minds are. It will create this the environment, the circumstances that support our beliefs whereas obviously in another household where if a child was always you know not spoiled rotten because that that has a whole and the whole other consequence but when a child is taught to respect money and have a healthy relationship with money which is very rare in our society that's why you don't see it happening very often then that child will know how to honor and, and respect money in a, in a way that it is always afforded to them in the manner that they deem is most suitable to their life paths. I That was a very long-winded answer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I love that though, because this is a personal experience of mine too. And several years ago, and I've spoken pretty openly about this with my audience for sure, several years ago, probably four or five years ago now, I had this realization that I had this pattern, right, where I have the ability to make money. I have the ability to be a very successful person, but I would always kind of end up back at zero. Like my whole life was this roller coaster up and down. And at some point, I had to get to that place of understanding that it was – internal, right? So in AA, like something my sponsor would always say to me is like, what's the common denominator? Like Mm -hmm. Angela, in all of your failed relationships, what's the common denominator? The common denominator is you. It's not everybody else's fault, Mm -hmm. right? If you're repeating the same situation over and over again, those are choices that you are making. It's not everybody else. So that dawned on me with the financial stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was like, huh, I wonder what that means. And, And I did grow up. All of those messages. Yeah. We can't afford that. We can't do that. We don't have the money for that. We're not like those people. Right. It was all less than, less than, less than. And I would carry that into my adult life and everything that I did. So even in having some abundance, I would always go back to scarcity. Sure. Yeah. And I had to really dig into that and do some real research and figure that out. And I still work on it to this day because that stuff is so deeply ingrained. And I mean, I remember one day calling one of my girlfriends and I was like, I literally just stood in the grocery store staring at the peanut butter looking for the best deal right like to save like 12 cents or something right. yeah. but that's how deeply ingrained absolutely. that scarcity and less than message is
1: absolutely and it does translate in other areas of your life as well because abundance is not just the frequen- is not just money the frequency of money is also the frequency of love so you can also see how it how it you know get- carries over into your worthiness for having that type of relationship that you want to have with not just, you know, that object of money, but a partner or an Mm. employment opportunity or any relationship that you want to have in your life. If you feel you're unworthy of one thing, it is very, very common to think that you're unworthy of many uh, beautiful blessings of life.
0: Sure. Yeah. So, where would you say um intuitive trauma coach? I love that title. And I told you this before we started recording, I did not know that you were a psychic medium. And I am it's very difficult for me to not change the narrative of this podcast right now <laughs> because I have a thousand questions <laughs> with that. But <laughs> with trauma, something I hear a lot is people don't even realize they have trauma. Yeah. And you know, obviously this is challenging on a hundred levels, but I am a believer that everybody on the planet has some trauma, right? Right. Some bigger than others, some more than others, but we all have some traumatic events that we have dealt with. Um, You know, divorce and breakups can be super traumatic events and damaging and leave big wounds. So how would you tell somebody to start thinking about the possibility of having trauma or identifying that or
1: understanding it? That is a really good question. The way that we really have to work at it is kind of in the reverse method because if you are coasting through life where everything just seems to be pretty easy breezy, you probably had trauma and it just didn't impact you very significantly. I there is no determining factor of what makes a person completely traumatized and you know go off their rocker, so to so to speak. Or have complete composure and be totally fine. I've seen women who have been sex trafficked that talk about it like they went to the grocery store. And I've seen people who have stubbed their toe and acted like they had to go to the hospital. You know, there's there's such a big, vast difference in how each of us process trauma and it's subject to the individual. And we all get to be mindful of that. That's something that's really, really critical when you are just being a human being. I know it's hard for us to be compassionate based off our own life experiences, but that is something that we all really get to be aware of. So, with that being said, um, you you identify that you have trauma most readily because you're unwell. Whatever in whatever capacity that looks like, it shows up. So, so I have a theory that. Whatever we don't work through spiritually becomes a mental issue. Whatever we don't work through mentally becomes an emotional issue. And then whatever we don't work through emotional becomes a physical issue. It has that sequence that I believe that it goes through. And a lot of us are not tapped into our spirituality. So that one gets missed quite often. And then what happens with our mental body is that we have so many negative thoughts a day that we just try to pretty much avoid being in that space as much as possible and then when we're in our emotional body well we're told since we're children don't be scared, don't be angry, don't be frustrated don't you know don't have all these different emotions so that we start displacing them and not trusting our emotions as children and then we displace them as adults so that is when it arrives to being a physical issue. sure some people catch it as a mental mental issue or an emotional in- issue but when we have pain, that is debilitating us when we have discomfort that is debilitating us. That's when we're like, I'm going to go to the doctor and see how they can fix it. And it, the fixing that really needs to be done is within you. You get to embark on a self healing process of exploring your own relationship with all of those bodies, which make us a whole, what I believe is what makes us a whole human. Right. And so I think that the most common. Ways that I end up working with a person who has recognized that they have issues um, that are unresolved is pain, physical pain, particularly in the joints, back pain, hip pain, knee pain, shoulder pain, um, fibromyalgia, uh, of course, uh, any kind of um, rheumatoid arthritis, um, Hashimoto's disease autoimmune conditions where your body is literally attacking itself. That is such a big indication to me that there is unresolved issues. I even say cancer, which is incredibly prevalent in our nation. I do think it's a compounded issue because our food supply and our products are so chemical laden and and toxic. So I do think it's an environmental thing, but it's an environmental issue, you know, physically and emotionally. And, um, it's just, it's just compounding. So when you notice that you're not feeling good in your body, you don't have good sleep. You don't have good libido. You don't look good and healthy. Um, but you also have unhealthy relationships. You keep finding yourselves in, in the wrong partnership. You keep finding yourselves in adversity with your friends. You, you, you're never satisfied at work. And, and you're also finding yourself just never really full of joy. Or light or hope or desire. It's just you just feel like you're merely existing. That is when you have generally uh arrived to a place where you get to resolve something in yourself which is rooted in trauma.
0: That's so powerful. All of that is so, so, so powerful. You know, we talk about this in the addiction world too, where I always say for people when They have been to treatment multiple times over the course of years and years, and they've had bouts of sobriety and have always gone back to drinking or using drugs, um... Typically, it's unresolved trauma, right? We're treating the wrong issue. Now, it's not uncommon for somebody to, for it to take several times getting sober before it finally sticks. That's not uncommon at all. It's not uncommon to go to treatment multiple times, to quit multiple times, try AA multiple times. All of that is so normal. But when it's been like 10 years and five, six, seven treatment centers and no long term sobriety, we're really treating the wrong issue at that point because there's something, Underlying that's making you so uncomfortable that you can't stay in your right mind.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's a hundred. And I
0: love that you brought. I love that you brought up the physical aspects of this too, because it's so huge. And it's like you hear the term mind, body, spirit, mm-hmm. right? But we never really connect those dots yeah. and the importance of that and how it has effects that are physical and will manifest in illness. If you don't take care of yourself mentally and spiritually, it will manifest physically. Certainly. What would you recommend for somebody who is strong, Starting the process of like maybe just getting to a point of understanding they have some trauma, mm-hmm. right? Maybe they've had some pretty big life events and they understand they were big life events, but maybe they didn't understand, oh, wow, this could be internally, this could be trauma. For somebody that's in that space and just starting to get used to the idea or consider it, yeah. how would you recommend they start the process of understanding? So-
1: I'm going to give you two different answers to this question because there are some people who want to dip their toe in the pool and there are some people who want to dive in because they're at a point where they're like, I've had enough of this person that I've been for all these years and I want out. So for people who are really looking to just dip their toe in the pool, I would first advise that you start observing yourself. And your behaviors, because we were, what we were talking before is, you know, cause and effect. And in NLP, we always talk about how you're not going to change anything in your life that you are not at cause for. So I'm, I feel like by now we've all heard that, that quote that I think Will Smith was dubbed saying that like, you know, your trauma is not your fault, but healing is your responsibility. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah. What happened to you when you were a kid? Absolutely, that was devastating and unfortunate. But you have chosen to stay in that looping pattern that you were given since you were a child. You had had the power and the will to break that at any point in your path. And you chose not to. You chose to stay on that merry-go-round. Keep riding that ride. So what I'm getting at is that if you are not ready to face all of your wounding, which can be very painful for a lot of people all at once. Then you get to start paying attention to how you are creating the circumstances that you're not finding to be pleasurable anymore and really keenly paying attention to your triggers. There is that we, I think it was Rumi who said the the wound is op- the opening to our healing. It's the path to our healing. So in what we do in our society is when we experience a trigger, when we experience pain, we contract immediately as, as a defense mechanism to protect ourselves. So it's, you know, it's an important function, but it, it's also causing us to not live. It's causing us to stay very small and very safe in our very tiny, tiny comfort zones that we've created for ourselves. And the, the, the life that we dream of is easily afforded to us if we step into that discomfort, which is exactly what the trigger is. So what can you learn about yourself? This, so this is more of like a self led practice where you can start tapping into your self exploration and really take yourself as like, project is not the word I want to use, but like it's exercise curiosity. <laughs> it's not a friendly term. Um, but exercise I always curiosity. say I am a full-time job. <laughs> like,
0: I am yeah.
1: a full-time yeah. job. If you want to be, if you want to be an enhanced person, you are. That for you, sure. we are our best work for sure. Yes. Yeah. And so, um, this all of, all of what i'm in inviting your listeners to do right now is to really start trying to see from that objective lens instead of that lens that was given to you by your parents that trauma lens you know and so really start to be observant pay attention to your triggers and start journaling writing things down because when we have that stream of consciousness that leaves our mind, goes down our arm into that pen or onto that keyboard, something comes alive when that information is transmitted onto that computer or that that piece of paper. and you can reflect on it and be like, "Oh, wow, I'm really starting to notice something here that that is that is a recurrent theme, and I am the culprit. Okay. So that's that's how we really get to take the, the, the that observant position. I mean, I'll tell you to meditate, I'll tell you to do yoga, I'll tell you to color on coloring books and journal and exercise and eat the right foods. But guess what? You're not going to do that until you start to have a self-love practice, until you truly deeply appreciate yourself and feel worthy of those things. That's most likely how you found me on TikTok is from my most well known video, which is the, the, re- the results of unresolved trauma is you can't do those things. I feel from my experience in my practice, I, I started formerly as an integrative nutrition health coach. And I would talk to women all day long about what, how they should exercise and what they should be eating and meditating and like self care and self love. And they could not do it. And I was like, How can you yeah. not do it? I can do it, but I did the work and I was missing right. that part. And I was like, I need to be trained in how to help people. Resolve their trauma, because just because I resolve my own doesn't mean I'm an authority to help other people resolve theirs. And that's how we arrived here. But for those of the people who are ready to just rip the Band-Aid off, go find a practitioner. Do not wait. Run to go find somebody that is going to be an advocate for what you are trying to arrive to, who you want to become, who you know that from deep down inside, the essence of who you are is is deserving of whatever, whatever that looks like, whether it be money, being really, really healthy, having the partner of your dream, the home of your dream, traveling the world, having all these experiences, that is literally at your fingertips. The only thing that is preventing you from arriving to that place is you.
0: Absolutely. And your
1: limited beliefs.
0: Yeah,
1: that is simply it, and and the limited beliefs came most likely didn't even come from you. Yeah, it came from the influence of society, and it doesn't just have to be your parents. It I don't want to just make it out to be that your household is like the the worst place ever. It can be for some of us, but the media.
0: Oh my god! I've been gosh. traumatized by yes.
1: teachers, even. Yes, like it's crazy. Like I've I've heard many stories from about bullies at school. Yeah, and just complete strangers. Like it, you never know how a one chance experience will shape the way you experience life for the rest of your days. So it, you really have to empower yourself to find the right practitioner that will support you because there are coaches, there's therapists, there's psychiatrists, there's so many different avenues. There's healers you get to do. You, this is why resourcing within yourself And finding out what your true needs and desires are is a critical step because a lot of people, when they have trauma, they're so used to being told who to be in order to satisfy those other people that they don't even know what they want or who they are anymore. And it's really hard to break that, that barrier and get back in contact with yourself. And then at that point, meditation is helpful. But for those of you who think that you're not doing it right, you are, you are. Yeah. <laughs> you, just, you just have to practice being in stillness. If, if, if meditation is too hard for you, I really invite you to just go sit in the woods and like, listen to the birds and the animals and, and that's meditation. That is a great step at introducing yourself to being in stillness.
0: I, I'm really glad that you talked about the different types of people you can get help from because that was the next thing I was to say is you say practitioner, but I need you to break that down, right? Like, of course, I get what that is. I'm a practitioner, but (laughs) but for my listeners, I want them to understand what is a practitioner and what are all the different kinds and how do they function differently? Like, How do you know what is the right approach or right fit
1: for you? Yeah, well that's an amazing question. And the one thing that I really deeply appreciate about being a coach is that you get to interview your coaches. And I, you know, I don't know if this day and age that we have that opportunity afforded to us to interview a therapist or a psychiatrist. Um, I'm I've never heard of that before, but I also have Gotten shot in the foot for misspeaking. So I, I'm just going to say, I don't think that that's what happens. Yes, and I'm sure somebody
0: um, somewhere does that, you know, maybe a consultation yeah. or something. But this is yeah. where I say it's so important. I've done whole podcast episodes about this of like go out in the world of social media and find people, watch YouTube mm-hmm. videos, find people on TikTok, just like I found you. Find people that resonate with you, who you like, their style and their communication, and you have have an energy match. Like we have that opportunity now that we didn't have so many years ago. That wasn't even an option.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I, I that is something that I, if you are looking for a coach, which is, so I'm going to make a, cl- a quick distinction. I'm sure you've already said this before on other podcasts. For me, the biggest distinctions that, that exists between coach and therapist is that there's tr- the training for sure. Like I'm not even going to downplay the amount of education that a, a, a licensed therapist, they have to go through their bachelor's and their master's degree. I do not have a master's degree. I have enough hours in, in multiple certifications that have accumulated far past a master's degree. But that is a very specific sector of individuals that have been in clinicals that have been supervised. And if that's what makes you feel safe, absolutely go that route. The reason that my clients come to me after they have had failed experiences in therapy is because they don't want somebody who is just a soundboard. Now, I know not that not all therapists are like that. It's just ironic that all the therapists I've gone to have been like that in the majority of my clients. But there are select few therapists that I'm friends with that are like, that is not how my sessions go down. I absolutely challenge them. I push the status quo. I give them you know, thought-provoking ideas and concepts. That's amazing. That's a very select few people. So it's like, do you want to go to therapy to vent? Right. Or do you want to go to therapy to get something out of it and really see a significant shift? I won't even work with a woman for longer than two years. That is my cutoff because my feeling is if I don't get you to your destination in two years, I'm not a good fit for you and I don't want you to waste your resources anymore. I find that in conventional therapy, women can go to somebody for 10, 15 years and never get to their destination. That is not ideal in my opinion. Um, but also with coaches, like we're always tasking every single time a client comes to me, they're given a significant amount of whatever they can handle working as an intuitive. I know that, okay, today's a day where they can only handle one assignment, you know, or today they get to be pushed because they're in in that flow state and they're ready to receive more. And I'll give them three or four assignments, but you are never going to come to me and like, just chill. Like it's a coach because it's a coach, <laughs> you know, like you, you really get to think of it as if you want to perform better on a team you have somebody pushing you the difference is is we're gentle like we wouldn't be successful and and getting people to, especially in the realm of trauma right if if we if we were aggressive we're, we're we're gentle but we 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 push them to a point that they want to show up in a different way. They don't want to fall back on themselves. So the tasking is another really big the education, the tasking and and what you really get out of the experience, do you want somebody who's going to be really constructive with you and talk about their life experiences and talk about other clients experiences that you've had I've had we've had permission to share with in order to enhance that person's um outcome? Or do you just want to talk? Do you want to be like your own sound, you know, sound board? So that's that's the biggest difference I feel between coaches and therapists and psychiatry. I, I think that most of us are are familiar with the fact that that's medication. So, you know, there's a time and a place, very marginal in my opinion, when it's appropriate if a person's really in an unsound space where they're spinning out and they just cannot get their life together. Absolutely, medication is ideal as a bridge to that gap. Right. It's not, my opinion as a holistic practitioner, not the solution. Because there have been significant studies now that show that its they're not meant for long-term use. They, they they actually cause more harm than good in the long run. So um, those are the different methods. And, and as far as a healer is concerned, you know, that is, I'm also a Reiki master, so you, you can find coaches out there who are experienced in several different areas, which is I, I ideal. Or you can, you can cater your experience to right now, I'm going to work with a healer and I want to clear out this toxic, unhealthy energy. And then once that's removed from my body, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to find a coach or a therapist that's going to help me take more action. Or you can go in a reverse order or you can start with a psychiatrist, but it's, it's like you said, doing the research to see how you feel best supported in the presence of each of these different types of practitioners. Because if you're someone who came up in a family that has like that very Western medicine type background, and you go see somebody who's going to talk to you about you know, plant medicine, you're going to be like, what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be purging? What? You know, like I, I have to smoke? What? You know, like it's it's going to be scary to you because that's not familiar. And, and when you're dealing with trauma, you don't want to re-traumatize yourself. You really have to listen to your body for the first time sometimes. Some of us don't even know how to honor that communication. Sure. So if something makes you nervous and uncomfortable, then that's not the route to go.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the things this was something that took me a while to connect with was my body. And, you know, when you do any kind of trauma work, um, you know, a lot of meditation and stuff too, somatic experience, like all that, like it's always, where do you feel that in your body? They would always ask, where do you feel that in your body? Where do you feel that in your body? And I'm like, I don't freaking know. Like I don't feel it in my body. Like I couldn't even connect that way. So for me, that was even a more advanced Concept, you know, and mm-hmm. I get it now. I'm in tune with it now, but it really is I have taken things as they've come to me. And I think that's probably the best way to do it, right? For me, I'm not a rip the band-aid off person. I wasn't in the beginning. Right. Like I am now because I've been working on myself mm-hmm. for a hundred years. Like I'm I'm <laughs> I'm I'm in this and I'm loving it, and I'm healthy and I'm stable. So to think yeah. about ripping the band-aid off now sounds fantastic, but yeah. In the beginning of my healing, in the beginning of my recovery, and really starting to understand myself and my behavior and trying to break those patterns, so my life wasn't so chaotic, so I wasn't creating unhealthy relationships, whether they were romantic or friendships or employment relationships. Like, everything in my life was chaotic because I made decisions based on the wrong (laughs) criteria. Everything was instant gratification, right? So... In in those earlier stages, I really had to just handle things as they came to me. You know, something would yeah. pop up and I would go, oh, okay, like this is a self-esteem thing. I need to dig into self-esteem and figure that out and why is mine so damaged? And I knew I had mm-hmm. trauma, but I didn't necessarily know there was a way to heal it. Yeah, until I started working as a helping professional and did the college and all of that stuff. And then EMDR hit the scene and got really big. So I dug more into that. But yeah, it is it is kind of one step at a time. And I think I love what you said too. the difference in therapy and coaching is something I hear from my clients is, you know, coaching feels more proactive because you are getting coached. You are being challenged. You do have something yeah. to think about, work on, journal about. It's very proactive. And talk therapy mm-hmm. isn't necessarily that, you know? Um, yeah. I think talk therapy is definitely valuable. I, again, for me, certainly in my first few years of recovery and personal development, I couldn't have done talk mm-hmm. therapy. I could probably do it more successfully now, but I couldn't have done it earlier. So – and that's just self-awareness, right? Being in tune with yourself and knowing what you need. So last question, do you have any book recommendations or something that people could get to start learning more about
1: this? Yes. Number one book, The Body Keeps the Score.
0: Oh, my gosh. I love that book.
1: (laughs) amazing amazing book must have um must read for anyone who is ready to start taking a deep dive into themselves and really remedying their their wounding oh my that gosh is- that book
0: is in its own that book is shocking when you yeah. start getting i read it years and years and years ago not knowing anything really about trauma and i was shocked at your how your body
1: stores that stuff yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that is, I mean, there's a whole bunch of books that I am a huge fan of. One of them is Eckhart Tolle's um, A New Earth. That is a, but that is not, I mean, that, what I really love about that book is that he talks all about the pain body and how we become addicted to uh, painful experiences and keep, you know, bringing them into our existence. So that He doesn't talk about resolving trauma as much in that one, but that one is definitely uh, something that I I highly, highly recommend to people who don't even are trying to understand their patterns and and want to get out of their own way with it. Absolutely. Um, The one thing that I wanted to share with your audience that was unprompted, but I think is really important for me to offer is that. The definition of trauma is, has recently been redefined because I really think that our generation is the last generation that remembers trauma as being a car accident or rape or something really severe. And trauma has now been defined as it, an unpleasant event that had a lasting of permanent effect on you. So it's not the event itself. It's actually what happens to you as a result of that event, no matter how severe or insignificant it is. And the reason that we've been really failing people in in, with mental illness in that community is because when a person would come and say, well, my parents would scream at each other and slam the cabinets, the therapist would say, okay, and... That's like a normal disagreement in a household, you know, we, we did not address it as, oh my God, this obviously has a significant impact on how you're able to take a test or, you know, um, whatever, whatever mundane activities that we ended up arriving to in adulthood because I, I have had clients before where their trauma has been, you know, comparatively minimal and they're significantly disturbed adults. And that is, you know, going back to what we were the conversation we were having at the beginning of the call or the the discussion is that uh, it doesn't matter what what happens to that individual. It only matters how they they process it. And, you know, one other aspect that we really didn't get to touch on is epigenetics, which is because I know one of your questions is how does it physically show up? Well, for some generations, it will skip. It will skip the, um, the genetic activation of, okay, well, I'm going to turn into cardiovascular disease or I'm going to turn into depression. It has to be a perfect, uh, integration of experiences where that person is traumatized, their reaction to it physiologically activates the the epigenetics, and then that person therefore gets the depression. So sometimes we didn't really get to go into it very much, but with like transgenerational trauma, you'll see, we've seen this with Holocaust survivors. The the grandparent was a survivor. The the parent was fine, but then the grandchild ended up being suicidal. So whatever circumstances existed in that parent, somehow it, it bypassed them. They didn't have the trauma gene get activated in them. But then somehow the circumstances for that grandchild were different. They experienced trauma. Their body responded to it physically in a completely different way. And then they ended up getting the depression and suicide because it was never healed through or rectified. So I really just wanted to make that important clarification on how it can show up physiologically. There's also polyvagal theory. So you're going to have to invite (laughs) me back, basically.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is what I'm going to say. This is what I was going to say because I'm doing after the show – videos with people and and bringing them back on. So I would love to dig more into this when we schedule our after the show video. And for all the listeners out there, if you have questions that you want to get answered with Ashley, get in our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash addiction unlimited. And you can put your questions in there. And I will definitely get all those questions. And Ashley and I can talk about them on the after the show video, because there is so much super important information for us to just understand about ourselves. And I think one of the frustrating things for me is so many people will listen to these topics, and they want to shift their attention to the people in their lives. Like, oh, yeah, my spouse does that. My spouse has that. They do that. They did that to me, whatever. And it's like, that's not the point of this. The point of this is to look inward and figure it out for yourself and have that self-awareness so you can be better, because we can't control the people around us. Like, I have to make sure I'm doing the best job.
1: Well, you know, what's interesting about what you just said is that Yes. I'm um, all for self-empowerment because what you get to realize is that everything that's outside of you is a reflection of you. Our 90% of our minds are unconscious. So I'm sure some, some of your audience members have heard about shadow projections and shadow is the part of ourselves that we're unaware of. And in order for it to be seen, it needs to be projected on the environment outside of us. So all the things that we like and don't like outside of ourselves are reflections of us. And that's something that we have a really hard time sitting with.
0: Well, and our situations and the partners we choose and all of it. Like I said, it could be jobs, it could be family, it could be romantic relationships. Like everything in my life was a mess because of how I made decisions in my life. Absolutely. So yeah, Yeah, personal responsibility is everything to me. But people love to shift that attention and point the finger.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, victimization's been trending for thousands of years yes. now, so it's going to take a while for it to go away. The last thing I, I really w- wanted to, the last piece I wanted to add is like trauma is such insignificant things, the the way that we have labeled it childbirth in and of itself for the baby and the mother is is a trauma. Child, potty training can be tra- traumatic because you're getting shamed constantly for wetting your pants and making mistakes. So much shame. You could trauma can be when you're a new person at school. It can be when you've been the only sibling and then all of a sudden you're 10 years old and your parents decide to put all their attention and focus on this other child that you didn't see coming. You know, it can be when your parents just promise to show up for your basketball games or your dance recitals and they don't show up. So like those are so marginalized in our society. But if that habitually happened to you over and over throughout your life, you're not going to feel worthy of the love and attention that you deserve. And then you'll start – one of my favorite quotes is when a parent makes a mistake with a child, the child doesn't shame the parents. They shame themselves. They reject themselves. Right. So that's how it starts to become a process at a very young age because it was demonstrated. Yeah,
0: I was shocked when I learned natural disasters because I've lost two homes to fire And Mm. where, like, obviously you understand, like, your family is displaced and it's scary and all these things are happening. I would have never classified it as trauma, right? And once I was a child and the other one I was an adult. And when I found that, I was like, oh, wow, there's a whole other layer that I didn't even know about. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on and doing this with me. And I think we're going to do a fantastic after the show video because we have lots more to talk about. (laughs)